Hello, thank you for tuning in to KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. My name is Catherine Grady, and I am your host for today's episode of the Fireside Broadcast. Thanksgiving is in less than a week, and with the joyful holiday of unity and bounty comes the beginning of an unspoken massacre of Native Americans where 12 million indigenous people died, nearly twice that of Jewish victims in the Holocaust. What really happened on Thanksgiving? Today, we are going to dive into the true origins of Caucasian influence in Northern America. The New York Times helps us understand. Let's begin with their interview about the book, This Land is Their Land. First, what is the Thanksgiving myth? The myth, as the author describes, is that friendly Indians, unidentified by tribe, welcome the pilgrims to America, teach them how to live in this new place, sit down to dinner with them, and then disappear. They hand off America to white people so they can create a nation dedicated to liberty, opportunity, and Christianity for the rest of the world to profit. That's the theory. It's about native people conceding to colonialism. It's bloodless and in many ways an extension of the ideology of manifest destiny. The Mayflower did bring the pilgrims of North America from Plymouth, England in 1620, and they disembarked at what is now Plymouth, Massachusetts, where they set up a colony. In 1621, they celebrated a successful harvest with a three-day gathering that was attended by members of the Wampanoag tribe. It's from this that we derive Thanksgiving as we know it. But the holiday wasn't made official until 1863, when President Abraham Lincoln declared it as a kind of thank you for the Civil War victories in Vicksburg, Mississippi, and Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. Claiming it was the first Thanksgiving isn't quite right either, as both Native American and European societies have been holding festivals to celebrate successful harvests for centuries. As Plymouth was already a village with clear fields and a spring where the pilgrims founded, a lovely place to settle, as the author said, why was it available? Because every single Native person who had been living there was a corpse. Plagues had wiped them out. Not just seeking religious freedom, pilgrims also came to North America to make money. They were also coming here in order to establish a religious theocracy, which they did, the author describes. That's not exactly the same as coming here for religious freedom. It's coming here against religious freedom. Possibly the most common misconception is that pilgrims extended an invitation to the Native Americans for helping them reap the harvest. The truth of how they all ended up feasting together is unknown. It is true that the celebration was an exceptional cross-cultural moment with food, games, and prayer, and Squanto did play a large role in helping the pilgrims, as American children are taught, but he was captured by the English in 1614 and later sold into slavery. He returned to New England in 1619 after five years a slave, only to find his tribe dead from smallpox. He met the pilgrims in March 
1621. The traditional narrative, as History.com describes, paints a deceptively sunny portrait of relations between the pilgrims and the Wampanoag tribe, masking the long and bloody history of conflict between Native Americans and European settlers that resulted in the death overall of millions. Quote, Since 1970, protesters have gathered on the day designated as Thanksgiving at the top of Coles Hill, which overlooks Plymouth Rock, to commemorate a national day of mourning. Similar events are held in other parts of the country as well. And if you look on your calendar, the day after the American Thanksgiving is now described as Native American Heritage Day. Furthermore, Business Insider describes how, quote, from the 1600s, from the 1600s to the 1800s, thousands of English colonists poured into the region throughout the 17th century. Authorities in Plymouth began asserting control over most aspects of the Wampanoag life as settlers increasingly ate up more land. The Gilder Leharman Institute of American History estimated disease had already reduced the Native American population in New England by as much as 90% from 1616 to 1619. That's only three years. And indigenous people, quote, continued to die from what the colonists called Indian fever. Colonists declared war in 1675, the initial neutral colony of Rhode Island and Providence plantations was ultimately dragged into the fighting as were other nearby tribes like Narragansetts. The war was bloody and devastating. 600 Narragansetts were killed and the tribe's winter stores were ruined. Chief Metacomet, upon his return to the ancestral home of Mount Hope, was shot and killed in a final battle. The son of the man, who had sustained and celebrated with the Plymouth colony, was beheaded and dismembered, according to, quote, it happened in Rhode Island, quote. His remaining allies were killed or sold into slavery in the West Indies. The colonists impaled King Philip's head on a spike and displayed it in Plymouth for 25 years. The ultimate death toll was 50% of Native Americans in New England since the Pilgrims' arrival in the early 1600s. That is just a fraction of what it is now. The war was just a series, quote, of brutal but dimly remembered early colonial wars between Native Americans and colonists that occurred in New England, New York, and Virginia. Popular memory has largely clung to the image of American celebration while ignoring the deadly forces that would ultimately drive apart the descendants of the guests of that very feast. Modern day Thanksgiving may be a celebration of people coming together, but that's not the whole story when it comes to the history of the day. So to recap, as the New York Times puts it in an interview, what are the most poignant inaccuracies of this story? He describes that one is that the history doesn't begin for Native people until Europeans arrive. People had been in Americas for at least 12,000 years, and according to some Native traditions, since the beginning of time. And having history start with the English is a way of dismissing all of that. The second is that the arrival of the Mayflower is some kind of first contact episode. It's not. The Wampanoags had a century of contact with Europeans. It was bloody and it involved slave raiding by Europeans. At least two and maybe more Wampanoags, when the pilgrims arrived, spoke English, had already been to Europe and back, and knew the very organizers of the pilgrims' venture. 
Most poignantly, using a shared dinner as a symbol of for colonialism really has it backward. No question about it, Wampanoag leader Usa Mekin reached out to the English at Plymouth and wanted an alliance with them. But it's not because he was innately friendly, it's because his people had been decimated by an epidemic disease, and Usa Mekin sees the English as an opportunity to fend off his tribal rebels. That's not the stuff of Thanksgiving pageants. The Thanksgiving myth doesn't address the deterioration of this relationship, culminating in one of the most horrific colonial Indian wars on record, King Philip's War, and also doesn't address Wampanoag's survival and adaptation over the centuries, which is why they're still here despite the odds. So how did the great dinner become the focal point of the modern Thanksgiving holiday? For quite a long time, English people had been celebrating Thanksgivings that didn't involve feasting, as I said earlier. Quote, they involved fasting and prayer and supplication to God. In 1769, a group of pilgrim descendants who lived in Plymouth felt like their cultural authority was slipping away as New England became less relevant within the colonies in the early Republic, wanted to boost tourism. So they started to plant the seeds of this idea that pilgrims were the fathers of America. The white Protestant stock of the United States was widely unhappy about the influx of European Catholics and Jews and wanted to assert its cultural authority over these newcomers. How better to do that than create this national founding myth about pilgrims and the Indians inviting them to take over the land? It also was impacted by the racial politics of the late 19th century. The Indian Wars were coming to a close, and that was an opportune time to have Indians included in a national founding myth. You couldn't have done that when people were reading newspaper accounts on a regular basis of atrocious violence between white Americans and Native people in the West. The Thanksgiving myth allowed New Englanders to create this idea that bloodless colonialism in their region was the origin of the country, having nothing to do with the Indian Wars and slavery. Americans could feel good about their colonial past without having to confront the really dark characteristics of it. Quote, well, Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Fireside Broadcast on KMIH 88.9 The Bridge. I'm your host, Catherine Grady, and after a year of deep partisan divide, I hope this episode has enlightened you to another and significant perspective, and hopefully we can mobilize the same activism from the wonderful Black Lives Matter protests this summer to providing sanctuary and restoration to those who were here before us. Wishing you and your loved ones well. Stay safe and happy holidays from 88.9 The Bridge.